coming up on this episode of The Hive Life. To have that video that maybe even skews toward those employees so that they see what it's like for a day in the life of working with your company. I think that's always a valuable uh, piece to have on your HR website. Welcome to The Hive Life, where we pull back the curtain on Spherical Media, a company based in Charlotte, North Carolina, with a team of former journalists that create beautiful, impactful stories that connect with your audience. Welcome to the latest edition of The Hive Life. Jared Latch, Tim Bear, David Cronoda with you, coming at you from Georgetown in a wonderful Airbnb, as we are here as a collective group, which is very rare these days. So we decided that we would take advantage, much to Tim's recommendation and knock out uh, at least one podcast. So we thank you for joining us. We wanted to look at how do you get started with a video content strategy? And this is something that we know is out there as far as a question, but how do you get started? You know, looking at some of the, the key things that you need to think about right off the bat. Yeah, you know, we get this question a number of times. Um, I've talked to a number of marketing directors and uh, that is always the question. They they have this feeling or this knowledge that they need to be doing video, but they're not quite sure, you know, where do we begin? And it can feel overwhelming at times. And I think um, through our experience in talking to a number of different people, it's it's pretty obvious you got to do those baby steps and start knocking out the small things first uh, to get something, you know, in the can and, and start the process. You can't do everything at once. And I think that's the first big part of this is that people are trying to do way too much at once. Now, I think that there is a big importance to coming up with a plan and an overarching plan and and where we're going with each of these videos and, and where they fit into the campaign. Um, but I also think that sometimes you might just want to take a bite first, see how it goes, and then continue to perfect as you go through the process. Now we look at some of those situations. We mentioned that some of our partners, or at least those prospective partners early on, uh, they want to throw this, the kitchen sink in at everything. So if we just broke it down even further, we'll get to a more elaborate planning and, and some of the ways you can leverage your relationships already. But Dave, we know when we go into some conversations, we need them sometimes to take a step back when it's even a story-by-story story basis, don't we? Yeah, I think... I think we run into a lot is like what Tim was saying, the kitchen sink wants to be all included in there. And so we kind of come in as that filter, I think in a lot of ways where we just want that general baseline knowledge of number one, where do they want to take that messaging? Um, And then not knowing enough about that messaging to where it just kind of screws up the message. It kind of gets convoluted. It gets lost if they start adding all these different elements and all these different characters or um, uh, all these different locations that they try to throw in there. Um, and I think I think we do a good job of taking that step back, maybe using a little more restraint that they, uh, they're looking for, uh, not only on a direction standpoint, but just to say, hey, um, that's too much. Let's just wait off on, on that idea, maybe a couple of those points for another video down the road. So we say start small, start consistent, but I guess also start smart. What is something that they could be looking to do right off the bat? Yeah, you know, one of the key points too is that a lot of these conversations happen with their marketing agency, their PR agency, um, and a lot of companies are sort of one-stop shops. They, they offer everything to everybody. And 
I am one that says beware of the all is available in one place uh, shop. Uh, we've had a couple partners that we've talked to that started down that road, and what they ran into was, you know, the the video side and the production side and hitting deadlines and actually telling stories um, missed the mark a number of times, and and they had to end up going backwards, and and they spent dollars, really good dollars, chasing something that ended up not coming to fruition. So, um, doing your homework on the front end and making sure that whoever you are partnering with, and this isn't supposed to be a advertisement for us necessarily but um but the idea being that do your homework and figure out who you're partnering with and make sure that it isn't just that they say they offer video and then they outsource it to any old joe and you're not sure that you're getting the full process in there so that's that's the first thing i'd say um and then i'd say the low-hanging fruit for a lot of people is testimonials or uh, partners or customers talking about the value of your product or service um what uh, what you've brought to the table, why you're different. Um, it always feels much more valuable having someone else talk to your to your value add rather than you having to come out and tout your own uh, or toot your own horn uh, would be, I think, the easiest and first thing that a lot of people can knock out. And I think from our beginnings, too, we can we can relate to the the agency or the company that's trying to do it all. We tried to do it at the beginning. I mean, we it's true. We took on websites, social media management, video was a throw-in at that point. And then we learned the more we fine-tuned it and got down to it, we got to the heart of what we do best in a storytelling standpoint. But going back to really leveraging customers, partners talking about you, David, the last couple months or so, you and our other teams have had the opportunity to do that and with a multitude of content, but that came in an event setting, right? Is a, is a key opportunity almost at the beginning of this content funnel for some of our new partners. Yeah, we had an opportunity to do a, uh, a conference that one of our partners was hosting um, down the South Charlotte area. <clears throat> and in between kind of their breaks and, and breakout sessions that they were having, they brought in dozens and dozens of people who use that service on a regular basis that are members of that network. And these weren't necessarily folks where they just pointed a finger and said, we definitely want you to come in. Everybody was there for a common purpose and they're huge fans of this partner. So it was easy to get really passionate sound bites from these folks on a number of different subjects. We probably spent about five to 10 minutes with each person that came in and we rarely used many sound bites from the folks from the actual partner because the messaging was so clear from the people who were attending that they love working with this partner they're glad to be a part of that network. And while that may not be the most beautiful setting at a, at a conference like that, to capture interviews and B-roll and things like that, you can't beat the messaging in those environments. Well, and it's a great opportunity to get a lot in the can, as we say, in the industry of different voices. And we mentioned it's most powerful if other people are talking about who you are. Then the next step, you know, something that you're lacking there is obviously not only sometimes the, the beauty that we'd usually get at the same level in other venues, but also the B-roll opportunity for getting the customers in their environment, which is sort of a next step, isn't it? Yeah, and to take it a little aside, we're in an old Georgetown house and the power just flickered. <laughs> So it'll be interesting to see if we get through this podcast. I saw a couple of mosquitoes um, in your shoulders. Well. Yeah, doing everything I can not to swat at you. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's an interesting setting here. We, we bring you guys with us on the road. Um, but anyway, going back to what you were saying, I think um, 
I think, yeah, there's an opportunity there, uh, but you are missing that piece of the story. And and a lot of times those visuals really help tell that story. But then um, the difference is a voice. Um, so being able to hear from different people in their actual environments adds another level to that storytelling that I think um, you might miss if you're in the conference setting. But you also have to work with budgets. And, and when you have that many people in one place, it's, it's sort of a no-brainer to go out and capture it. And, you know, what, what can happen is maybe in those interview settings where you're getting, you know, 15, 20 different partners, you might find two or three that have really, really good stories, and that'll allow you to dive into those stories after the fact and keep it um, – and then be able to tell them and expand upon them and, and do something a little bit more in-depth. Let's give them an idea, too, as the lights flicker once again. This is a good effect here tonight. It's going to be haunted <laughs> it, it, might, it might be. I might be staying at the Georgetown Inn across the street, although that's, uh, that's old as well. <laughs> but we look at the types of content you can get from the event. Maybe we can give them an idea of that and some of the, you know, the different themed pieces that came out of it. Yeah, I think we did why work with this partner. That was one of them. Um, and those were short, maybe about a minute, I believe, Tim. Mm -hmm. yep. um, we've done everything to um, what do you like best about that partner? Uh, what's the differentiator? And these are all things that they can all speak to because there's a range of length of relationship that they've had with this particular partner. And that really speaks to maybe fine-tuning those messages, uh, putting them in buckets, as we say, and then and spitting those out as really short show social cuts that you know can have some nice legs, uh, get some short promotions on like an Instagram or a Facebook and those sorts of things. But I think we whittled a, down that list to maybe 12 different themes that just came out of that. And again, you're talking about dozens and dozens of people who did those interviews with us. And that's a whole string of content that if they market that the right way, they've got content for, for months. And I think Dave made a good point there, too, in that, you know, when you go into one of these process, uh, processes, I guess is the word I'm going for. I think that's, processes. That's accurate. We'll go with it. Um, but anyway, when you go into this, you want to be thinking of the end game. So where are these videos going to be posted? Where are they going to be shared? Are we looking to use them in a specific... Um, you know, event that we're going to be showing off and talking about whatever that that partner wanted to discuss, or is it only for social media? Is it only for the website? Um, there are many different venues to be able to use video. And before you dive in on one of these projects, it is always good to be thinking about that end game because it'll determine a lot of times length of pieces, questions that might come out that might point people one direction versus the other. Um, and so it's, it's having to think of that whole picture before you start. No, that's a great point because a lot of people don't think about the platforms that these videos are going to go on or maybe there's a difference in where their audience will be located and they're slightly different. So those are things that are, are really critical when thinking about the, the capture because you just you don't want to go into a situation and say, I just need to do video. And, and we've had that in the past, not as much anymore, I think because we've been able to, to grow and dictate more of the strategy and the process on the front end. But as far as some topics, you know, companies out there looking to do video for the first time, you could do something along your core values, service offerings, the experience that you're offering your different partners. And then another video that you can start with easily is, is the About Us video about the company because you give 
you know, whoever you're looking prospective partners, an idea of of exactly what you offer and, and maybe behind the curtain a little bit. Yeah. And the other half of that is you're going to be hiring employees and they're going to be evaluating you, you as well. And so to have that video that maybe even skews toward those employees so that they see what it's like for a day in the life of working with your company. I think that's always a valuable uh, piece to have on your HR website, a piece to be able to share with somebody when you're targeting a potential employee. And we've seen that uh, time and time again with partners we've worked with where we've wouldn't been able to develop really good pieces that really share the passion behind the work these people are doing and then be able to try and recruit or bring in uh, other like-minded people. On the front end, we know it can be intimidating for companies, especially if they haven't done video before because of the cost that can be associated or at least the thought of what that cost might be. And then they just don't know about the process. They don't know what to expect and they're a little bit timid on, are we doing this the right way? Can you guys throw out some more ideas on how they might be able to maximize value for the shoot day or if you have a day and a half or you're at an event, whatever that that venue is for capture, how can they maximize how much content they get out of each opportunity? Dave? <laughs> Value is usually a question you answer. <laughs> this is true, but I'd like to hear your story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think for at least the folks that are on the production staff, uh, we find value in, in the structure of the day, having it scheduled out really well. And I think you get the most bang for your buck if, if, if that is a concern, which it normally is. Um, and, and your highest cost, I think, is on the, for us, is certainly on the shooting side. And being able to structure your day to where you have maybe interviews blocked all in that morning session if it's a full day shoot, and then having B-roll as being the something that you do after lunch or after you've had some kind of a break to digest all that sound. Um, when you're doing conferences and things like that, I mean, the, the structure of the day that we, we recently had with a partner of ours to where every time there was a break where we weren't interrupting what was actually happening at the conference and using that time to utilize, you know, the inter interview setting and get as much sound as we can. Um, I think that's really smart. You know, we've, we've worked with one partner that, that had us for about three days. And so um, we're trying to multi-use different locations, uh, maybe fabricating some B-roll that's essential to the message that you're trying to get across in these videos. So I, for me, and I'm maybe I'm biased on the production side, I just think you get most bang for your buck, uh, savings and efficiency all on the scheduling of your day. And real quick, dive in a little deeper into that event piece that you guys were doing and the idea of having that interview setting, what you guys are looking for in that, because I think that we have a number of partners that are like, okay, well, you can just take this back closet and hang out and knock out interviews there, or you can do it in the hallway where we're giving coffee to everybody, and that's where you'll be able to do the interviews, and it'll be a great background. And, you know, you get those kind of um, thoughts, and, and they make sense because it's convenient to where the people are going to be, but talk a little bit about what you're looking for or when you're trying to set that up and set up a different space to be able to do interviews? Yeah, for this this last conference that we were at where we were capturing all kinds of sound uh, during these breaks, we obviously didn't want to be out in that common area while everybody's getting coffee, while everybody's getting a Danish and, and, and doing some networking all in that space. We're looking for a quiet space. We're looking for hopefully a separate room if it's available. Uh, and we were lucky enough to have a spare breakout room that wasn't being utilized. And it's a blank canvas. And we would come in, look at it. And we're like, yeah, we can make this work. 
And then we would go steal furniture from some of the uh, the common spaces to build kind of a set or something pretty that doesn't look like just a hotel blank conference room. We're trying to dress it up. We're trying to make it look as nice as possible. But again, we're looking for something that we can control the environment, like the lighting, but most importantly, the sound. We're looking for some depth because we don't want it to be, we want it to have that that uh, almost a green screen look for folks who may know what that looks like. It's, you know, where your subject is really crisp and clear and the background looks very uh, washed out or blurry. And it just helps that interview person pop uh, and where the viewer is just going to be sucked in on everything that they're saying and not be distracted by the things that are happening all around them. I'll tell you one thing that doesn't belong in the background of any of those interviews is a banner. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. So true. We talk about how I, I really don't like to see live microphones anymore in shots, but a close second or a tie for first is a banner in the background. And I say the number one reason is because branding changes and logos change. And if you shoot something with a banner and it changes, you can't use it. You can't use it anymore. And the second is it just doesn't look good. No. (laughs) And you're not going to be able to read it either. If you're, if you're setting up that interview location the right way where you have depth and and you have, the correct lighting, you're not going to be able to read any of that stuff anyways. So it's a little, it's really a waste of time. And also we believe in branding, obviously, but you have plenty of branding in the rest of your B-roll and at the conference and on notebooks and all kinds of different things that we want that beautiful shot with depth, as you, as you mentioned, Dave. So let's go back and touch on, we mentioned the duration of video connected to what platform it's going to go on. Sure. Maybe Tim, you can give some examples of what a few of those platforms might be and how the time translates over. Yeah, I think uh, it all depends on the network and the point that you're trying to get across. But um, when you look at, it's funny, I think back to like Vine, where it was like six seconds, Mm -hmm. and that was like the crazy thing that was really, and that's no longer. Um, I'm always amazed. People, you know, nowadays we feel like our attention spans have gotten shorter and shorter. Um, and I always love telling the story. Dave, you teach a class at, at Queens University in uh, video storytelling. And one of the questions you always ask the students is, what are you watching? You know, what, what gets you inspired? What do you enjoy? And they tell you about, you know, the videos they're watching. They're all watching on YouTube, all on demand stuff. But the thing that really got me was then you followed up the question with, well, what's the average length of something you're watching? And I mean, what did they? Yeah. So we read publications where it says the average attention span is somewhere between that six to to eight seconds. So you got to get that attention quick. And so I'd go, all right, well, how long are you willing to you know, invest in your time to be able to watch something. And they're like, oh, yeah, um, 11 minutes, 21 minutes. And it <laughs> shocks me every time because I can't, I can't hit play with that kind of time commitment to sit down and watch something. But these guys and girls in this class, yeah, they're all across the board. They were all saying anything from that 7 to 20 plus, and I just think that's shocking. Yeah, and I mean, it's college-age kids that are that are dialing in because what they're, they're obviously finding things that they like and then sticking with it. Um, it's no longer the point where you're being served something and you have to eat it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have to watch this 30-minute newscast or 30-minute whatever. You can pick and choose what you want. And when you find something you like, then you'll watch it for a while. And that, to me, always shocked me. And, and I love telling that story because, it. I mean, it's obviously anecdotal. It's not necessarily across the board. All the stats say that shorter is better now. But 
Uh, but there is an appetite out there if they if you have the audience that likes what you're seeing. Getting back to your question. Sorry. That <laughs> was a okay. long, that long was, way to get a there. Big circle, <laughs> yeah. but now we're coming back, so we're good. <laughs> a little bit of an aside. But um, but yeah, I think uh, when you're looking at social media, you're looking at LinkedIn is an underutilized uh, platform, I think, for video. I think that there are so many stats and articles and everything that's going on there that video really does stand out when it's published and used correctly on LinkedIn. Now, ad rates on LinkedIn are a little higher, uh, so that's something to always consider when you're looking at budgeting. Uh, but then Facebook is is enormous because you get both Facebook and LinkedIn when you do those. I mean, not LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram when you do uh, campaigns on there. And, you know, normally those videos were running anywhere from 30 to 60 seconds uh, and then at maxing out at 60 seconds on Twitter as well. So um, you're staying under a minute most of the time for these social media cuts. And, and sometimes in that 20 to 25 second range, if you're doing an ad campaign push. Uh, but then on YouTube and Vimeo and uh, websites, you know, you, you can start pushing that minute 30 to two minute length. Uh, and if you have a really emotional piece or, or a really good story that you want to tell, uh, you could sometimes push those points. We always love using Yeti as an example because mm -hmm. we love the stuff that they put out uh, as far as content goes. And it's, it's one of those unique pieces because it's not the brand or the product being stuffed in your face. It's very much the story of the people that use Yeti and the story of the people that would use Yeti. And that then pulls in affinity uh, between you and that person that's that's out there, the fly fisherman, the outdoorsman. I know that's your world, obviously, Dave. <laughs> Not necessarily mine, but I love the pieces. So I think he's watching one right now. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but that that that's the idea, and the, those pieces are longer. I mean, those are in those five minute, maybe seven minute. They could go yeah. even longer than that. Mm -hmm. So uh, it varies just, uh, by your audience for sure. So before we wrap this one up, number one thing. Real short, do you think they should entertain getting ready to, to jump on the content bus? I'm going to pass. You're going to pass that one to <laughs> oh, Tim? He's, he's taking a drink. drink. <laughs> yeah. uh, water, by the way. It's uh, yes, Fiji. It is. I don't want my wife to think we're just Natural artesian <laughs> getting water. hammered up here in D.C. Yes. Um, <laughs> at 9.30 on a Sunday night. You did want um, some ice cream. It's open till midnight. Yeah, that's not good, though. I shouldn't do that. Dang it, Jared. So number one, uh, number one thing <laughs> <laughs> that we would tell a prospective partner or, or new relationship on, on what's most important. Know your audience and who you're trying to reach. Know that first. And then we can work backwards from that point to figure out what type of content will work for them to be able to get your message across. Did you come up with them, Dave? Now hey, after he, the pass, I, I love his. Or you want to take yeah, a I'm part gonna of piggy, his? I'm going to piggyback on his. Yeah, I think that's really important to know your audience. Number one, because that that really dictates number one where that video is going to go and be most effective, but also dictates how we produce it on a production side. And I would say if it's outside of an about us video, is just identifying who best to tell your story to somebody else. Because we talk about the best way. You know, to get somebody's attention, to have somebody else talk about you. So I, I think that's uh, the way to go to get started. But the biggest step is just going for it and trying to put a plan in place and get strategic and, and put some content out. So we hope you enjoyed this conversation coming from our wonderful and historic Airbnb here in Georgetown. <laughs> for Tim, Dave, I'm Jared. 
This was the latest edition of The Hive Life. We want you to be creative and try something new. You've been listening to The Hive Life, brought to you by Spiracle Media. Always remember, you can visit spiraclebuzz.com or follow us at Spiracle Media on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn. We'll see you next time on The Hive Life.